Erin. And this is Jessica. And this is episode 134 of the Double Knit Podcast. Good evening. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I remember my notes this time. I remember that we were recording this time. <laughs> there may have been a time earlier this week that we were supposed to record that I didn't remember, but we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> What's new? Uh, I went to a couple things last month. Yeah. I went to my California retreat, which was super fun, and the weather was gorgeous. Got a sunburn a little bit. And then I went to <laughs> Vegas and got more of that, so yeah. it was really good. had a good time. Uh... Nice to see everybody. I was like, how's your year been? Because I pretty much only see those people like once a year. I see a couple of people who are local more often. Like, I'll just run into them. Yeah. But for the most part, I was like, how's your year? (laughs) People were like, what? That was really funny. I was like, I literally see you once a year. Yeah. So how has your year been? They're like, but you see me on Instagram. Yeah. It's Hmm. not quite the same. No. That's good. Yeah. And I um, I just went away to San Francisco for the weekend. It was uh, kind of a surprise, not surprise birthday trip that Wes had arranged. So it was supposed to be for my birthday, but because of t- trying to get time off of work, it ended up happening on Wes's birthday weekend. So it was, Which was a big birthday. Both of our birthdays. Yeah. It was a big birthday. Wes just turned 50. Happy birthday to Happy everybody. Happy birthday to everybody. And the surprise, though, that he didn't tell me until closer to the trip was that um, our older son was flying out to join us. From New York. From New York. So, um, because he'd called me on my birthday and I said, oh, when are we going to see you again? And he said, or I said, when are you coming home again? He said, "Uh, probably not until February. And I was like, that's going to be 14 months without seeing you. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, and I got off the phone and I was like really sad about it, but like trying to like put on a brave face. And then when Wes said he's coming to San Francisco, I burst into tears. I was like, I "I didn't know how sad I was until I didn't have to be sad anymore. Dude, so, they look, both look so grown up in your pictures. I was like, those are two men. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, my older son turns 20 next week. That's so crazy. And my younger son just turned 18. He just got his uh, voter registration in the mail. Um, yeah, they are giant people now. It's crazy. Um, and my older son, he's, he works as a chef, um, so he... Um, was trying to um, do a stage while he was in San Francisco. He flew it a day ahead of us. Um, and a stage is like just basically an, an unpaid internship, but like, you know, for a day or for a couple of days where you just offer to work for free in a kitchen to have a chance to see how it works and to, you know, network and um, get some experience. So, um, and the restaurant where he works is a two Michelin star restaurant in New York. And he had been trying to, he really wanted to get into one of the three-star restaurants Mm -hmm. in the Bay Area. Um, And he wasn't having any luck contacting them, emailing them. So he asked his chef if she knew anyone. And she said, oh, well, how about Atelier Crenn, (laughs) which is a two-star restaurant, which a lot of people know about now because it was featured on season two of Chef's Table. Um, The chef is Dominique Crenn. Um, So he's like... Yes, please. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he got just, he spent a long day there. He went and they had him come in to do prep at 10 a.m. And he didn't leave until 1230 at night. Um, but 
he, it was really interesting for him because he's only worked at two restaurants. Um, and so just seeing the difference in how they, you know, they operate to mm-hmm. the restaurants that he's accustomed to. Um, and also continue, although Dominique Crenn was not there while he was there, but, um, I think it's kind of interesting that only the two restaurants that he's worked at are both, uh, female chef helmed, um, which is not the norm in the industry. Obviously yeah. it's a male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. So keeping up his trend of, of working for badass female chefs. That's nice. Um, yeah, so he got to do that, and then we all got to eat at a three Michelin star restaurant together for Wes's birthday. We ate at Bennu, which was featured briefly on Ugly Delicious. Mm. Um, it was the foie gras soup dumpling. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and it's a, a Korean American chef, who, and that's who my son really wants to work for. That's where he wants he wants to move out to San Francisco mm-hmm. and work for Corey Lee. Um, so we had the most extraordinary meal there. It was just incredible. Um, kind of a once in a lifetime I mean, meal. You only turned 50 once. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was great to see him, um, and have a little, you know, brief amount of time little with him. Mini family reunion. Yeah. But, um, cool. he's, he's thinking of, um, trying, I mean, he wants to move to San Francisco, but he's also kind of wrestling, thinking maybe Chicago. So I was like, well, let's do this again. We go to Chicago. <laughs> so maybe I'll get to meet up with him in Chicago. Be fun. Um, later this year so yeah that's fun, fun stuff yeah uh what you knitting um what am i knitting what? let's see <laughs> sorry that wasn't uh, a trick question <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here right uh, yeah <laughs> i'm working on the first sleeve of my princess twin set jumper oh. um it's from it's a susan crawford pattern mm-hmm. so it's based on a vintage pattern I'm using lace weight, hazelnuts, hazelnuts lyric in mm-hmm. a gray. And I'm working on the ribbing for the first sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, I blocked the body already before I seamed it. Mm-hmm. That feels real nice. So now you're doing the sleeve um, yeah, top down that. seamless. Yeah, I'm using um, the pickup ratios and method from Elizabeth Doherty's book, mm-hmm. Top Down Seven Sleeve. It's right there. Yeah, it's top, top down. Seamless move, something. Top down, reimagining, set in sleeve. Yeah, design. I like the ratio she uses mm-hmm. um, and where she starts the pickup. Yeah. I'm not going to talk more about it because you should just get the book or buy it. I think most of her patterns are knit th- that way. So mm-hmm. um, it makes for a really nice fitting sleeve. I actually tried this on right before you came over and it, like the sleeve fits perfectly. Cool. I actually made notes for myself so I can do what? it on the second one. That's crazy talk. Um, I also have this much yarn left. Ah. So. Not uh, going to be very long sleeves, huh? No, they're supposed <laughs> to be short sleeves. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, just they looked like they were a little bit weird fitting in the pattern mm-hmm. pictures and the project pictures and Ravelry. Um, like maybe the armhole depth was too deep and they were a little bit too wide or something. Oh, okay. So they're kind um, of like crumpling up under the sleeve. Or yeah. Something. They just, they looked like something not yeah, right. Not, <laughs> not right. Something not right. Um, and also cause I have limited yarn. I wanted to yeah. knit them top down so I could pull one back if I need to. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that. And then I have a pair of broken rib socks that I'm knitting in, um, Toil and Treble. I've had this yarn forever, and I'll show it to you. That's my best knitting. It's 
on red sky in the morning, it knit up like crazy. Ooh, Look at that. That's some wow. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Kind of stripey. Kind of candy caning, and then the it's little flash very, of and stuff. <laughs> very clashy kind of stripes. When you open up the hank, half of it is this kind of turquoise with a little line of white, and then it's this kind of red coral, red pink coral color. Mm. It should be called um, like eighties prom. Yeah, it's called <laughs> turquoise. Red sky in the morning. Yeah. Um. So that's my bus knitting. Those are going to charity because I have too many socks. Okay. And I'm on the toe of the first one. But while, let's see. When I went to Vegas, um, I went from Thursday to Sunday. And I took Monday off because it was my second weekend in a row of traveling. So I cast on a pair of plain vanilla socks and some self-striping yarn on Thursday on the plane. And I finished on Monday night. So it was the perfect project for Vegas. Yeah. Um, Small and just stockinette. And I knit those in Haverland, whatever her self-striping yarn is, in the color Padme. Okay. So, H-A-V-I-R-L-A-N-D. She does a lot of, um, she knit, uh, she dyed the yarn that I made the Class of Newcomb High oh, socks okay. from that yeah. were like neon purple, neon green, and black. I, I feel like I'm kind of out of the loop of like all the cool dyers. Like I keep seeing people talk about stuff on Instagram, so I'm like starting to follow more people. Mm-hmm. Um, she really just, likes horror movies, uh, so uh, <laughs> we have very similar taste in movies. Um, and she always has stuff in her shop. Like mm-hmm. I'd say 98% of the time, um, instead of. Most of the indie dyers, yes. there's never anything, and it's like you have yeah. to follow them. And it's like there's going to be a shop update at three twenty p.m. And then you have to like sell your firstborn to yeah. get a skein. I'm not into that. I'm not into that either. Um, I mean, I understand. I mean, it's good for them that there's that much demand, but um, I yeah. just I don't like feeling like stressed out about trying to buy yarn. So there's so many indie dyers. I don't think you should have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's a lot of talent out there, and her yarn bases are really nice. I think. This one I like the best is it's Pax P A X I think is um, it has a nice twist it feels nice um, you know it's a good sock yarn mm-hmm. uh, but she does non self striping too Fun. I think she does other stuff besides sock but I've only bought sock for, from her um, so finished those and last time I was knitting on a plain pair of stockinette socks for charity. Mm-hmm. In Alpha B in the Pendleton right. Roundup, and yeah. the BFL base, which I love. That base is so nice, and it washed up beautifully. It's like, ooh, these are nice. But I knit them in a small size, so they don't fit <laughs> me because they're for charity. So uh, I was like, oh, this is really nice. I have another skein in like a chocolatey brown color. Mm-hmm. So I still don't need more socks. No. But I'm looking forward to knitting that because the base was so nice. And then I started another cardigan, which I'm thinking about maybe pulling out. I bought Kilbourne Woolen's Andorra. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, in the yellow. And I knit the back of a sweater and one front. And I sat with the ribbing on the second front since I got back from my California trip. I'm like, what trip was it? <laughs> um, it's called the Flower Garden Cardigan by Heike Campbell. And it's nothing against the pattern. It's just like I'm not feeling it with that combination. The back is in plain stock and that so what I could do is just 
knit it in plain stock in it and pull out the one front I've done mm -hmm. and just have a plain yellow cardigan. I'm not against that. Yeah. But I had to think about it more. Yeah. But the yarn is um, Highland wool, some kind of regular wool. It's got a little <laughs> and mohair, mohair in it too, right? But not that much, like 10% or something. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's check right here. I'll pull up oh. the. Oh, yeah, there it is. Here's the back so you can feel that. It feels oh, really yeah. nice. It's a sport weight yarn. Yeah. Nice um, and light. Very nice and light. Lovely. Pretty. Yeah. Very I know it's not your color. color. Oh, I was going to say it's very <laughs> you, though. It's you. It's not yeah. for me, though. So, what I was thinking is I would just like salvage the back mm -hmm. and then pull out the one front. And then just knit what plain. The original pattern, what's what's the design on the front? Um, it has kind of textured panels that look like leaves a little bit. Mm. And then they, um, they're staggered. So the ones closest to the cardigan opening, like the button bands, are taller. And they have like little series of baubles, like, like clusters that. of flowers. It's really cute. Um, but I think the pattern... Is uh, the sample is uh, like a Debbie Bliss cashmerino type yarn, mm -hmm. so it's really round and bouncy. Yeah, and this is yarn is not no. that. Yeah, uh, so um, yeah, so that's where I'm with that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I'm excited about finishing this pullover because I've been feel like I've been working on it forever. Yeah. Um, and I knit another sweater. I knit uh, Mainer by, that's M-A-I-N-E-R, oh. by Alicia Plummer. With yarn that I bought on my 30th birthday. So that was a while ago. <laughs> and I used all of it, which was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I knit the sweater for charity. And it was like a kind of tweet. It was like alpaca, cotton, and nylon, which is not something I would wear huh. myself anymore. Yeah. But it's like a dark gray tweed. So... Uh, and this sweater has no shaping. It's a top-down raglan with texture on the upper arm and then deep texture on the cuffs. Um, and just stockinette. So it's super easy to knit. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a unisex pattern, so I can just send it and somebody will be able to oh, wear okay. it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was knit on size 8s. But it does weigh a lot. I was like, this will be perfect for someone that doesn't live in Seattle <laughs> where <laughs> this is just going to be like... Too heavy and too warm. Yeah. Um, so that was quick. I think I knit that maybe in like two weeks. Maybe less. I don't yeah. know. I just needed something really easy. And I was like, I will use this that I've had for sitting around a little, little, little time. Yeah. <laughs> and the pattern was fine. Um, this weird thing. There's Bible quotes at the end of the pattern, which I find very strange. I don't know why. Well, she says, so I was very curious because I didn't Is notice. Is like all her I mean, patterns or just this one? I think it's all her patterns. It's like going to In-N-Out Burger. It's like <laughs> Bible verses hidden <laughs> on things. I don't have anything against Christians. I think it's a weird to have Bible verses in a pattern. Yeah. Um, her designer page does say that she's like, she loves Jesus. That's fine. Whatever. I, but I feel weird about paying money for something and then having that there yeah. when it's not advertised as being there. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Choice. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Hmm. 
Uh, let me know. You can just like at me on Instagram or whatever. (laughs) You don't have to put it in a public space if you're not comfortable with it. Um, I have, I feel like I have knit something else by her, but I don't remember seeing it, but it was like the very last thing on the very last page. Such a strange choice. It's just weird. Yeah. All right. I don't think I'm a fan of it. Mm. I don't have a particular problem with people being in love with Jesus or whatever. Yeah. It's just odd for a knitting, knitting pattern. pattern. Yeah. That's not yeah. a religious themed knitting pattern. Yeah. Right. But that's it. That's, that's it. it. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I knit Camino de Paz, which I didn't write down the designer's name, but it was for our... Um, April cowl knit along pattern. Um, so it's just a really simple color work pattern. That's little arrows that go up and little arrows that go down. I did it in uh, happy trails from Wooly West, which is like Nancy Bush's yarn that oh. she used to make a while ago. Um, it's, I got it a stash sale. I, I think I'd always been curious about the yarn because one of the patterns in uh, Knitting on the Road is knitted in it. And I always wondered, like, what does this yarn look like so mm-hmm. I could sub- substitute for it? Um, but it's it's a totally unremarkable yarn. It's like 75% wool, 25% nylon, oh. but it's in a sport weight. Um, I mean, a perfectly fine yarn, just nothing, you know. I didn't need to hold my breath for it. <laughs> but uh, And I did it in purple and green because that's what I do when I do color work. Um and then uh, I had I had gathered up a bunch of sport weight scraps, and I think I would have been thinking about doing a helix hat, but I decided to do a helix uh, infinity yarn instead. So I think I cast on like ninety six stitches and on a sixteen inch circular, and just knit a tube until it was long enough to be a reasonable size cowl, and then. Um, did a, a kitchener stitch and closed off. Came out really cute. It's you know, surprise. It's all blue and green, and a little bit of gray thrown in. So the colors all coordinate really beautifully together because everything in it's the same color. <laughs> um, and then I cast on for uh, lineate by Elizabeth Doherty, um, which is one of her hat patterns. That's done. Um, it's done in bands of little horizontal stripes and little vertical stripes. Um, really cute, really fast knit. Also really simple color work. Um, that one I did in very random yarn. I had, did it in Dream and Color Smushy. That's like old, old, old Dream and Color Smushy. Um, uh, in Gothic Rose, which is so old it like wasn't even in my Ravelry stash. Um, I think I, anyway, old, um, and then remove fingering in kind of a, like acid green ish, yellowy green. Um, Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, Cerulea loves that kind mm-hmm. of like, I love that too. Yellowy green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so that's Zulana. Um, it's, uh. So Remu comes in different weights, and you mm-hmm. did a project in Remu last time we talked about yeah. it in the DK, and then this is in the fingering, um, which is definitely bigger than the um, Dream in Color, but I kind of work that in my favor because um, when I do two-color knitting, my gauge in my left hand of the yarn I carry in my left hand is much looser than the yarn I carry in my right hand. 
So I put the um, skinny yarn in my loose knitting hand and the, t- the oh, yarn okay. that I knit tight, you know, the bigger yarn of my tight knitting hand, because the room is definitely a lot loftier than this mushy. Um, so it's a possum blend yarn, um, really soft. Um, and that was a super quick knit, though, because it's just like, you're kind of like, ooh, what's next? Because it's like, ooh, I'm in this stripey section. Ooh, then this. And the sections keep getting smaller, too, as you go up the hat. Um, so it just felt like it was really quick. But in the middle of it, I had to put it down because I wanted to cast on um, something simple that would last the whole trip. Um, and the next cowl that we're doing for our knit-along is Volkig by um, Martina Beam, which is on a knitty pattern. Freaking genius pattern. So I'm knitting it right. I'm still knitting it. I haven't yeah, finished like my blue. yarn. So this yarn is hand-spun. Um, Polwar silk that was um, from Artful You, um, dyed by Heidi. So it's a beautiful, like rich, rich, rich blue. Deep blue, really gorgeous. Um, the yarn has a really nice little shine to it from the silk. Also a little bit of dog fur. Um, but the pattern it didn't immediately, ca- like in terms of the, the look of it, it didn't like grab me as something I was dying to knit. But it's such a clever pattern because it's just one round. Um, it's actually just like one set of instructions between the markers and you just keep repeating it all the way around, but it's to create a bias fabric. So, and it's on knitty. It's a free pattern because it's just a one round. I mean, it's like one row of instructions, Mm -hmm. but it's so simple. It's purl six, purl three together, uh, knit 39 and then knit front and back, knit front and back. So you're getting this biasing of the fabric, um, from having the increases and decreases away from each other so that you get this spiraling, um, uh, whatchamacallit, reverse stockinette section, and then the knitted section kind of ruches along that line. So it's just really kind of neat. Interesting looking. It's interesting looking. It's so, it was like the perfect, I just, I love her patterns for travel knitting. Um, because it's not like just so dull as like knit, 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 knit around and around and around. Cause there's something you're doing frequently, but it's the same. So it's like really simple though. And really, um, once you start knitting the pattern, you just like, you don't even need to really be thinking about it. Your hands just sort of remember what to do. Um, but it's just, again, I love that like balance of like, not so simple that it, boring and like some part of your brain needs to stay mm-hmm. keyed into what you're doing. Um, but not a lot of your brain. <laughs> so really good for traveling. But I thought like, Oh, I'll just knit the whole skein, but I still have a lot of yarn left and this mm-hmm. is already a really long cowl. So I'm thinking maybe I'll bind off, but I hate leaving this little partial skein of hand spun. Cause like, what am I going to do with that then? But I think if I keep knitting until it's gone, it's going to be like the longest <laughs> cowl in the world. I think her original one, though, was supposed to be, like, 21 inches tall. Um, and then it's just supposed to kind of flop over. But that just feels like too much cowl to me. Because um, this is already, like, I don't know, 14 inches tall, something like um, that. That's, like, the three-color cowl and stuff like that. Yeah, They're just really so. tall, Super tubes. tall. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any like that? Because I don't know if I, want, if I need that I wanna, much cowl. Yeah, I want to knit... Um, Land of Sweets by Helen Stewart. Oh, yeah. It's another which one. Which really you can tall. use, like, scraps. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very tall. Yeah, maybe I'll just suck it up mm-hmm. and just keep going. Because otherwise I'll have this partial skein of hand spun that will just 
be there. Mocking you. <laughs> yes, and you know how I feel about Scratch, so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also, like, ages ago, like, I think in January when I announced, like, I'm going to knit all these mitts, I cast on Twigs and Willows by Elena Dacos from Botanical Knits 2, which is um, using a same motif as there's like a twigs and willows cardigan as well where it's just a motif where there's like twigs with little leaves on them <laughs> um and it's i only have it in the book form and mm. um not to sound like too much of a 21st century knitter now but i'm like oh my gosh knitting from a pattern in a book is such drag um because the way it is the pattern is like the written instructions for like the like the thumb gusset and everything are on one page and then you have to like flip the page to get to the chart turn the book sideways to read the chart um but then the key to the charts on the previous page oh no but then the glossary of terms is at the back of the book Ew. so i'm like flip 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 and it's bugging me and then i feel like such a like a princess about it like oh my gosh i have to turn the pages of the book this is too difficult but it's really like i'm i think in order to knit it i probably should just like xerox a few pages um and paste it all together because 90s i know (laughs) but it's just it's so irritating because like i can see the key to the chart while i'm reading i mean Mm -hmm. so but when i'm knitting the charts printed sideways on the page to fit it so you look so at the chart and you see some weird symbol. No. And then you got to go over here to look at the key and mm. then you're looking at the key, but then it might say like, I don't know, you know, it might have some term that isn't defined in the key. And then you got to flip back to the glossary to see it. Oh, um, and Kathy's like, can't you just tell from looking at the chart what, or looking at the picture, what's supposed to happen? And it's like, yes, I suppose so. But I, I mean, I have the pattern. I would like to mm-hmm. use the pattern. But, um, it's just so funny because, you know, 10 years ago, like that's just how we knit stuff. And now I'm like, I want to be able to like cut and paste it and have it all in one document and have it on my iPad and be able to flip, flip, flip. Um, so I have, I've knit like half a mitt. Um, and I'm definitely dragging my heels on it because it's just not easy. Yeah. You know, it's not, not, I'm not that it's not easy to knit, but that it's not convenient to knit either. Um, which is just a funny thing. And then I was like, oh, is this one of these ones where you also get the code for the electronic version? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Bummer. Um, so anyway, but that's, I mean, it's not, and it's a cool pattern and it's a beautiful book, but I've just like grown so yeah, annoyed at the layout. I've just grown so accustomed to having things like digitally or just laid out a little bit more. I mean, not laid out with, um, book formatting in mind where yeah. it's like, okay, I can put it all however I want it because it's okay if the pattern's 12 pages long mm-hmm. or it doesn't all have to fit on these pages of the book. It's it's just funny. It's like not something I think about anymore because I never knit from books. And then, um, yesterday I got a wild hair. I, I, um, I, I always start sewing again in every May because everyone's posting all their me made May stuff. Yeah, we are I'm like, I should sew something, but instead of clothes, um, which I still can't quite fully commit to, um, Emily Parsons, uh, had posted a couple weeks ago, maybe, um, a little photo of a scrap quilt that she was working on called scrap vortex, which is really just like 
totally free form, like take your scraps, slap it all together, have fun. We, Mm -hmm. um, which is of course completely up my alley, but she just posted another picture of it yesterday. And I was like, dang it, I'm going to do it. Cause I had the day off today. So, um, I pulled out a bunch of scraps and just started like just feeding it through my machine. I haven't finished, um, clean, like redoing my office. So I can like barely reach my sewing machine. So it's the, it was the least ergonomic sewing that ever happened. But, um, I, I definitely got lost in the vortex because, um, Wes took our son to his guitar lesson and I didn't notice that they had left the house, been gone for an hour and come back. Um, so I was definitely like in the zone, you know, ironing press. And then it's like putting a puzzle together too, because you're just taking pieces and sewing them together. So I just like chain pieced a million pairs and then clipping them all apart, pressing them and then finding ways to stick them together and then chain piecing those. And then, and so it's just like a puzzle where you're like, Ooh, what's the same size? Oh, we can put these together and then putting those together and making little stacks. So, um, and then using all my scraps, which we, you know, if you've been listening for any time, you know, is definitely an obsession like of mine. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I, I'm obsessed. I can't help it. But that's what I've been doing. Right on. Ta-da. I am doing Me Made May. Yes, you are. You can see on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went a full, like, full work week just wearing outfits that had yellow. And I was like, maybe I should break it up a little bit. <laughs> I didn't actually realize how much I had added to my wardrobe. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of yellow. It makes you happy. It does. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard that you finished, like, two books. I did. <laughs> I actually read books. So um, I read Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Eng, uh, which was a book club book. Um, it is, and you read the whole thing? I did. I read the whole thing. I don't think that's ever happened. It has happened occasionally. <laughs> Once or twice. Thank you. Um, Just maybe not this year. No, definitely not recently. Um, but I really liked it. It was. It's a book set in the 90s in Shaker Heights, Ohio. And you've got a family, uh, the Richardsons, who are a very wealthy family with four children. Um, and they have a a tenant in an apartment they rent, which is a, a young mother who's an artist and her teenage daughter who kind of becomes um, enmeshed with the children of the family. Um, so family drama, uh, lots of different kinds of drama and different kinds of families. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's really well written, very engaging. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Read it very quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't know what much else to say, but I know it's kind of one of those books where I keep seeing it everywhere. I feel like everybody's reading it right now. Um, but then the next book I read, which is also a book club book is the immortalist by Chloe Benjamin, which is another one that I feel like I see people everywhere, everywhere. Um, the author is also a knitter. And so there was a cowl pattern design, not by her, um, but it's by another quince yarns, right? That uses quince yarns. Yeah, it was just on Instagram yeah, earlier. Or they just, or they, I think they sent out an email about it too, mm-hmm. or something. Um, yeah, so they designed a cowl that was based on the book cover. So the Immortalist um, is it's so up my alley. It's another story of a family with four siblings. Um, this time set in the you're in New York in the is it late '60s, early '70s, um, when they're all 
young children, they go to a fortune teller who reveals to each one the date of their death. Ooh. And so, um, the idea of this, the book is how hearing that at an early age is, affects their lives or does or doesn't affect their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and just about their relationships with each other and their relationships with their, um, with their parents. Um, just really, really enjoyed it. Um, thought it was, I mean, funny, moving, um, so engaging, like, cause you follow each kid. Um, and actually it was, so it was interesting. I started reading it on the plane to San Francisco and the first whole, like two sections of it take place in San Francisco. I'm like, perfect. Um, and then I couldn't put it down. So I started it on the plane. And then when we got to the hotel, um, Wes and my son were both like, Oh, I'm kind of tired. I don't really feel like going out. I'm like, that's fine. And I like, couldn't stop reading the book. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then the next one of the, the next, uh, sibling that you follow, starts his story in college where he goes to the university of Chicago. So Mm -hmm. it's all. And then I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just couldn't put it down. So I read it in two days, which I can't remember the last time I did that with a novel. But then today I, so I'm not, I'm sure I've said this before. I'm not that into audiobooks, Um, because mostly because I feel like it's, um, I mean, for better or for worse, it's a performance of the book, not the book itself. Um, but I'd been wanting to read Lincoln and the Bardo, which is the new George Saunders book that I believe just won the Booker Prize. Um, and, but then I saw that the audiobook had this like crazy voice cast that was like, like multiple people credited, but the top two credits were Nick Offerman and David Sedaris. Mm-hmm. And I was just like perplexed at this. And then it's this whole laundry list of names of actors. And, um, so I was intrigued and all I knew about the book was that it was about, um, uh, kind of a, an afterworld afterlife story about, um, after the death of Lincoln's son, um, who died when he was 11. Um, and that was all I knew about it. But so I started listening to it today and that like between that and the, the sewing project, like I was so in the zone. So I listened, I've listened to like half the book already today. Um, it's so, um, intensely interesting and bizarre. And, um, the, the book begins with, uh, I, I also put it on hold the library cause I really want to see how it's done as a print version, because mm-hmm. what happens is you're first getting these stories that are narrated to you that you just realize are being narrated to you by other people who are deceased, um, who don't realize they're deceased. And so the bar, it's meant to be this purgatory where all these people are, um, where the, the boy ends up, um, and, but then it's also intermixed with, um, sort of these historical accounts of Lincoln and the child's illness and different things about the presidency. Um, it's very, I'm dying to learn more about the, how the book was written because it's very clear that like some of this is historical. Some of this is actual accounts. Some of this is very fictional. Some of this is not actual, but it's all presented as if, um, everything you're learning about Lincoln is presented as if it were from a, and historical manuscript of some kind, like 
a memoir written by the maid or, um, or, you know, some, someone else in society at the time or some historian. And so each, there'll be like a, a passage and then a credit to, for the, for the work that it is allegedly from. Um, and it's really unclear as you're listening in particular, whether what you're hearing is, is fictional or not. Um, so I'm really dying to learn more about that, but it's also, it's, it was a little perplexing. Like I've, I had to, um, like I didn't have to, but I grabbed, um, like the free sample of the Kindle book just to see how it's laid out on the page mm-hmm. because it's a little disorienting when you're listening to it, where suddenly there's like different people narrating different things and they're announcing these credits or announcing names. And it's like, who are it? It took a little bit to like get the hang of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as an audiobook. Um, but it is just so fascinating and funny and touching and weird. Um, just so loving it, really loving it. Um, it's George Saunders. I don't know if I said that. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's his first novel cause he normally writes short fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we were talking about it at knitting on Monday that, um, Ariel was saying that she had, um, excuse me, Ariel, ugh, I'm going to keep doing this forever. I work with someone who's Ariel and I knit with someone who's Ariel and I'm going to keep calling them both by the wrong name forever now. Mm -hmm. Ariel was saying that she had just read 10th of December, which is another George Saunders short story collection, which has been sitting on Wes's nightstand since 2014. And every year in the beginning of December, I say to him like, it's time to read the book, honey. It's coming up 10th of December. Let's get this read. <laughs> and three years now I've made the joke and he still hasn't read the book. Um, but so that I picked it up and I started reading it and even like four pages in, I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm definitely going to read the rest of this too. Um, yeah. Anyway, but just really look, I mean, I would say it's definitely not an audiobook to listen to if you're someone who's drifts in and out a little bit because mm. it will be very confusing. Um, and also I, I do really want a chance to like go through the, the actual text of the book because the way the storytelling is and the, the way it's quoting all these other works and, and just trying to understand it a little bit more and then to find out more about the research that went into it and what's real and what's fictional. I'm just very curious. It's a very intriguing little book. Mm. So look at me reading <laughs> shit and stuff. Right Boom. <laughs> I just turned mark this. that on your calendar. I finished books this month. Uh, May not have it again. <laughs> I just turned their books at the library today. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a very silly book. It was good for traveling and being tired and stuff, which mm-hmm. is Prudence by Gail Carriger. She wrote the Parasol Protectorate series, so it's like steampunk kind of mystery oh, okay. stuff. Um, Prudence is the daughter of the two main characters in the Parasol Protectorate series. The quality is not great, as ha- sometimes <laughs> happens when you get into those kind of spin-off things. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like fun and lighthearted, and you know, she's a meta natural. So her mom can um take supernatural beings because there's like werewolves and vampires mm-hmm. and stuff 
she can like touch them and suck that away from them for a time as long as she's touching them. Mm. And then her, so that's the mom. And then the dad is a werewolf and the daughter is a meta natural. So she can just steal people's, um, supernatural abilities mm-hmm. except for her mother's cause her mom's like sucks that away mm-hmm. on contact. Um, as long as she's within a certain distance of them. Huh. So that's kind of a synthesis of the two. It's totally silly. <laughs> it's like nothing to write home about. Okay. There are a few, t- quite a few typos in the book. Um, I, I don't know that. if it was an advanced copy or something because oh. it was like, spe- it said like special pricing or something on the cover, oh. which is weird. Um, cause I know some of, sometimes those get donated to libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It was good for vacation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other book I turned in, um, the graves of fine and private place by Alan Bradley. It's a, it's a Flavia Deleuze, um, book. Flavia is, it's part of a ongoing series. She's a 12 year old girl who solves mysteries in 1950s England. <laughs> so it's like, you know, cozy murder mystery type thing, oh, okay. but she's like a 12 year old girl who's really into science. Um, okay. so she goes to this village, um, on holiday with the manservant who also is kind of her detective helper mm-hmm. and her two sisters. And, um, they also have crazy names that I can't remember. Um, and of course they're like, you know, boating on the river and she puts her hand in the water and like catches a dead man <laughs> in the mouth. So then she gets embroiled in the mystery oh. and then solves Are it. they, so, so is it YA or is it written I'm for an sure. adult audience? Either. Okay. They're not gruesome at all. Mm-hmm. They're very much like cozy and murder mystery style. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like mysteries, but you don't like really graphic things, mm-hmm. it's probably perfect. And then she's, you know, a spunky 12 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. They're fun. Um, I can't remember how old she is in the first one, but there are quite a few books now. Oh. So there's a whole series to get into if you have never heard of this series. Um, yeah. Fun and lighthearted. And I liked it. Um, That's me. All right. What are you watching? Um, I realized I forgot, since I forgot my notes last time, I forgot a few things. One is that I finished Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, I'm still um, working on catching up on it. It kind of lost me for a little while, but I, the second half of the final season was really, I mean, you know, it's like when they know, like, it's over. Um, I feel like they start making some bolder choices. <laughs> uh, the problem I really out. have, because I think I'm on the still in the beginning of season Three and mm-hmm. a season two. We pace this Steve Jobs look. Like I cannot get past it. It really grosses me out oh, for some reason. He looks so nasty for so much of the like the yeah. yeah. No, it's I would just bad. like I have a hard time watching it because he's an attractive man. Oh, it's he's bad. one of my favorite actors. I like him a lot. Uh easy on the eyes, except for something about his like Steve Jobs tech guy look. Like, 
pretty it's, ponytail and yeah. It's hard to watch. Yeah. And like he has the round glasses. Yeah. And wears mock turtlenecks. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, the other thing too is I, I hit a wall with it for a little bit where I was like, they should just rename, rename the shows terrible people making terrible choices, making the same terrible choices again and again mm-hmm. and again. But then somehow like at the end, they kind of moved past it and it got really, it really drew me in again and got really interesting for me again. It's also really fun. Like they start, you start moving through time a lot more quickly as the series progresses. So there's usually like a song at the beginning of an episode that kind of orients you like, okay, it's the breeders now it's Mm -hmm. 92 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know? So it just kind of keeps you, um, anyway, I, 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 I did enjoy it finally. It is a end. really good show. It's I, just like, you know, sometimes you hit like a thing and you're just like, there's something about it that I just yeah. can't get into. And Noah also wants to watch it with me, but then he's like, I'm not in the mood to watch that. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, what? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Did we ever talk about Godless? Speaking of Halton, because um, Scoot McNary, okay. who stars in Halton Catch I Fire, s- is in Godless, which was... Um, a series by um, a frequent collaborator with Steven Soderbergh. I think, I think maybe so. we did talk about it. It's Western. Um, I never finished it. Oh, really? Something about it in the middle, the <gasps> middle part oh, of the series, I like really. really it. it lost you. It was just slow. It was just oh. really slow. Like I thought it started off like with the bang, and then it was just like we're not huh. going to do a whole lot halfway through. Interesting. So. Uh, also watched the most recent season of Better Call Saul, which is really good show. It's really no, well done. Um, but it's just that it's it's the thing that I had such a hard time with Breaking Bad. It's but even worse. Like you know where it's all headed because this is a prequel now to Breaking Bad, and you know just how bad things are going to get. Mm-hmm. And but it's trying to be sort of a, this lighter hearted take because you know. And so uh, it's terrible because it's this very likable, though thoroughly dishonest character. Um, and you just, you know how bad everything's going to get. So, um, but it's still really well done. Um, great writing on that show. Um, I watched Lost in Space, the new one. Um, I watched it yet. No, I started watching it without me. So I, I, I kept going to work going... Yeah, so I was watching it, and everyone's like, oh, is it good? And I'm like, I don't think so. But I still kept going back and watching the rest of it. And then, like, Wes would come by and be like, oh, is this good? And I'm like, no. No, I don't think it is. Um, I just thought the writing was really um, dopey. From what I saw of it, it was, like, visually appealing, but it didn't seem like the dialogue was all that great. I think I wanted it. I saw that, like, Parker Posey and Molly Parker were, like, mm-hmm. the two female leads, and I'm like, this should be interesting. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. But I was like, but I've got these two indie darlings in this. I want this to be good. Um, yeah. I, it was very thoroughly average, I'd say, but I kept watching it. I can't explain why. Um, watched the new Queer Eye. Um, and everyone kept right, talking about like, oh, I cried and I cried and I cried. And I was like, what's with these people until I was like, boo, watching the show. So, um, it's cute. I didn't realize that, um, the grooming guy is the guy who did the, does the, uh, gay of Thrones videos. Um, it's no like idea. the, the gay hairdresser recapping game okay. of Thrones. All right. Anyway. Cultural icon. Like, I don't know. 
oily long hair. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> They're fun. It's fun. <coughs> Fond memories of the original series. Um, Agretzko. Do you know, do you know Agretzko? Mm-mm. Retzko is Red Panda Sanrio character. Oh, okay. She plays yes. a little, like, little... The death metal ...sad one. office worker who... I didn't understand what you were saying yes, for a Yes, Agretzko, sorry. Um, who works out her office angst rage through death metal karaoke. Um, it's like me in my 20s, but with punk rock. Yeah. No, I mean, I was like... I, 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 <laughs> I talked to... Um, RL about it saying like, oh, I assume everyone's been sending this to you. And she said, no. And I was like, how is it? I just like, I, didn't I think bother. everyone just assumed that everyone else. Was I know. I was like, other, I just didn't want to be like the eighth person to bombard her with like death metal, red panda. Um, it's super cute. It's so brief. I mean, it, it, there's like, I don't know, eight episodes. Everyone's on a motorcycle tonight. It's very much to speed through my neighborhood on motorcycles <laughs> and set off car alarms. I have all the windows closed. <laughs> it's like 10 times worse in the summer. Yeah. Because um, there's like, on 20th, there's yeah. not a lot of, there's like one stop sign. Yeah. And then the light. And then you like hear them come by. All the car alarms go off. But then sometimes you hear a police siren. Because I'll <laughs> lie and wait for them. And I'm like, yeah. Satisfaction. <laughs> um... Yeah, I can't remember. I think there's like nine or ten episodes, and each one's like sixty minutes long. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a very slight little thing. Very cute though. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what I've been. And then I like I've been watching the new season of Westworld. Which I'm watching that. I'm. What are you thinking so far? I'm like it's not, a little confusing. It's a little slow, doesn't it seem like? Well. It ended at, like, such a, like, <gasps> fascinating point, yeah, so and now it's, it's just... I feel like the end of, what's the last one, three? The third mm, episode that yeah. just came out? The end of that one, I think, is things are going to start yeah. happening more quickly. Because it's a lot of, like, jumping back and forth between different groups of people. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even... What the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, I do, like, sure, yeah. Rachel Evan Wood. Yeah. Evan Rachel Wood. There yes. we go. I like her a lot. Yeah, still. so I'm not sure if I'm... Everyone's still acting well. I think the story's just starting out much slower, because in the first season, you don't know anything that's going on, right? You're yeah. just, like, you have, like, Westworld, and you have the labs. You don't really understand how they're working together mm-hmm. for a little bit, so it's, there's kind of a mystery. Yeah. But this one, it's still kind of... They're still trying to cook on some mystery. I don't know. It's not quite grabbing me. Like, I keep finding myself, like, mm, kind of drifting out, in and out, watching an episode. And the quality's still really high, though. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, and I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. Which I haven't started yet. I just feel like. Ooh, it's rough. I know. It's I, rough. I know. And I also kind of feel like it's maybe one of those ones that I just need to wait until it's all done. Do not just... watch it all together. You will oh, be no? so bummed out for oh, so okay. long. <laughs> Don't do it because I watch like the episode probably the day after it comes out and it bums me out for like two days. <laughs> do not binge watch it. Yeah. Okay. Like, do not recommend it. All right. Because that's what I do with season one because I just like I couldn't watch it for the longest time where I'm like I don't think I have the stomach like, for this right now. Season one had this like hopefulness that in season two it's just gone. It just slowly disappears uh, and yeah. we're in three episodes maybe the fourth. Okay. Um. Yeah. Don't binge watch it. All right. Uh, I watched season one of Chef's Table. I finished it, and I'm oh, on the yeah. France season now. Oh, I, well, um, I just watched the pastry one too. Yeah. I watched that on the. It was perfect plain watching. Like I could, you can download 
Netflix mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, so. I have to say, there's a lot of pretension there. There's some I, people, just some men made me really mm-hmm. angry. I never really watched angry. the France one, actually. I think or I watched, like, one episode. So, season one is where the pretension happened for oh, me. Because oh, I'm yeah. just, like, into the second episode of season two. And well, you finally like, get more female chefs in season yeah. two. Um, but... I'm trying to remember who's in season one. Oh, it's like that. The Patagonian guy? Yeah, the Patagonian like, like the fire guy. Ass. He's um, just like swaddled, swaddled in blankets and building fires the whole episode. Right. And, and he's like, and oh. showing off his like 20-something-year-old girlfriend. Who he doesn't live with and he only sees 10 days a month and they have a baby together. And he's like, you should just love where you want. I was like, that's just an excuse for bad behavior yeah. and your inability to commit to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm I, not talking about it, people who have like open relationships no, or whatever. No. I just I was not. A He's fan an of old him dude either. who's like taking advantage of a younger woman, and yeah, yeah. no, I wasn't I, a huge fan of him either. But well, um, like his cooking stuff was interesting when he actually cooked. But yeah. just listening to him talk, it's I just wanted to punch him in the him. face. Yeah, the um, sorry. <laughs> no, I I agree though. Like I think they they really. Um, uh, found some more interest in more intriguing chefs in mm-hmm. season two. Um, I did really like the New Zealand guy. Oh, oh, the guy in Wellington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's, Cause he's so on, unpre- he's the complete opposite of the other guy. Like yeah. he's completely unpretentious. He's like, I had to he's do something about, to support my family. <laughs> yeah, he's not about ego at all. And it's yeah. like, he's this totally like average guy, but completely turned around a failing restaurant food. that was $150,000 in debt. Like, yeah. no, he's really interesting. Yeah. And his food was really interesting, too. Yeah. Um, I finished the California season of Top Chef, and I have to say, my girl Marjorie, fellow Ukayan, Oh, I was like, holla! No one famous is from Ukiah. And I was like watching, she's like, I'm from this tiny town called Ukiah. And I was like, wait. <laughs> and I had to like, do the back 15 seconds thing, and I was like, say it again, because sometimes you say Ukiah, and people are like, Wairika, Eureka. Or whatever. I was like, yeah. no, there are no R's. I was like, she did say Ukiah. Yeah. So, but she's like seven or eight years younger than me, so I wouldn't have known her. But I was like, and it, they were showing, they always show like pictures of the family. And I was like, oh, her family looks familiar <laughs> though. Small town. Yeah. Um, so that was exciting. I was bummed that she didn't make it all the way to the end. Because yeah. um, I thought her food was interesting. Yeah. Um, I watched... See, the final season of The Path, the show about the cult. Oh, yeah. They had the guy from Breaking Bad in it. Right, Aaron Paul. And the guy from Hannibal. Uh, Hugh Dancy. Hugh Dancy. Uh, It was interesting. I feel like they knew that they were being canceled because there wasn't a big cliffhanger at the end. And they kind of wrapped things up. But I didn't really feel satisfied. Mm. I'm okay with open-ended endings of shows, but I just wasn't really satisfied with anyone's ending, uh, so it was a little disappointing. That one just, I watched the first like two episodes, and it was just one of those shows where the sense of like foreboding, like just everything mm. bad was j- gonna happen. And the first season is really uh, good, and the first half of the second season is really good, and then they, they lost a little bit. Uh, okay. um, and I watched... Wind River, which is a murder mystery thing that takes place somewhere where it's really, really cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the murder of a Native American woman. Um, Um, Right. Oh. Super, super good. Um, It's on Netflix. 
It's it's a, a feature film. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner's in it, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. I think he's okay. the, Yeah. So, I didn't know that was on Netflix. Oh. So it's got the good Olsen sister, the non-twin. Um, Elizabeth? Yes. has Elizabeth Olsen in it. She's an FBI agent that gets called in because they find this um, Native American woman who has died in the snow, like, out in the middle of nowhere. And she uh, is not equipped for how cold it is. <laughs> and it's on reserve. She has no body fat. Yeah. Well... <laughs> And she, like, came from Las Vegas or something, oh, so yeah. she's wearing, like, a short sleeve blouse and, like, dress pants. <laughs> um, and she goes onto reservation land to work with them about solving this murder that just happened. And then the local fish and wildlife cop, who's a really good tracker, gets involved. It's, like, pretty intense. Um, story, really well done. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know who... At, at one point, like, toward the end, I figured it out. But I was like, oh, this is really good. It's really stressful. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, but really well done. It's on, on Netflix. Cool. You can watch it there. Um, I watched some other weird stuff, but nothing, like... Nothing. Nothing worth mentioning, okay. really. No. Sure. So, I think that's it. Okay. We recorded two months in a row. Look at us go. I know. <laughs> uh, you can find show notes at doublenet.net or you can join us on our Ravelry group, Doublenet Podcast Fans. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah.